Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Nier. I'm Brett, and this week we're getting lost in the void and walking an endless path in Loop Hero. If you want to support Pick Up Your Sticks, you can buy us a cup of coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash pod. Hey, Walker. Well, it's got you pick up your sticks this week. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, yeah, so a really, really weird <laughs> game, for for lack of a better way to describe it. It's kind of like all the genres in one. Um, <laughs> not literally, but several. Um, and that's that's Loop Hero, um, which I don't actually know who makes it. <laughs> it's it's published by Devolver Digital. Yeah, so they publish a lot of stuff, um, yeah. but the developer itself, I, right. I am not familiar with off the top of my head, and it's not any one I'd ever heard of anyway. And I'll also because I have been confused about this for weeks hearing about it because I haven't read about it. I've only heard about it. It is not Loot Hero, not L-O-O-T, but Loop as in walking <laughs> in a circle or a ring. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm very much a... I'm basic, we could say. Um, and what I mean by that is like if 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 a lot of if something's really popular, then I'm intrigued by it. Now that right. doesn't always yield a good result. Nickelback was super popular, <laughs> not a win for me, right? So it doesn't mean that just because it's popular, I love it. But um, I mean, that's how I decided to check out Valheim, right? Was I right. saw the popularity. Uh and and kind of the same thing with Loop Hero. I saw an article that was that called it the the next slam dunk of the year and uh decided to give it a look and yeah uh stumbled into it and picked it up that day and yeah i don't I, we probably because i i will just ramble about all of the incoherently <laughs> about all the different things so and both of us have played it yeah I've played i don't it know as well where do you think we should start i mean i mean it is a really complex for it is a, a, a crazily simple game that has a ridiculous amount of complexity to it. <laughs> yeah. Like the gameplay isn't super complex, but the the depth of choice is. Right. I, so I guess we should start with like what is the general gameplay yeah. loop? We'll, we'll start with the primary the where you spend the bulk of your time, and that right. is going around the loop of which you are the supposed hero. Um, so yeah, they're like, so every time you start a run, <laughs> I guess, yeah. um, it's a, <laughs> it's funny to call this procedurally generated when we have procedurally <laughs> generated worlds. <laughs> it is not a Minecraft procedurally generated. No, world. but I call it a random world, <laughs> less procedurally generated. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, so every time it's a new randomized map and the map is just a blank black rectangle. And then in the middle of that is some uniquely to each run shaped loop. Um, and you are your character's little avatar, which is a hilariously simple. It's not really a stick man, but kind it's of like little, five pixels tall. <laughs> right, right. It's like it's kind of it's like a tone down original risk of rain like it's shocking how little it all it, is. it's like amiga level <laughs> like. yeah but so the little the little character just runs just goes and walks the loop and you don't actively control its movement uh when you get into combat you don't 
there's no abilities that you click on. Like there is no real direct control of the avatar as it's going around the loop. Right. Um, so yes, yeah, so you kind of, you're going around and, and there's enemies that spawn on the loop. Initially it's just some slimes. And so you'll, you kind of fight through those and, and then, yeah, I'll, I'll let you kind of explain what else happens while you're on the loop. Yeah. So every time you defeat an enemy, you can get drops from that enemy. And sometimes the drops are going to be gear that you can equip your character. Your character has an inventory and kind of a backpack. There's maybe like 12 item slots in the backpack. And the hero has like four or five equipment slots that you can get for them. And so as you kill enemies, sometimes they drop loot and they could be swords or shields. And it's kind of Diablo-esque random generation where there's different rarities and you can get different uh, abilities on your items. And so maybe you can get lifesteal or maybe you get damage to all enemies or whatever. So you can upgrade your hero that way and kind of spec into a certain run if you want to min-max attack speed or min-max a damage to all items or enemies or whatever. You can kind of do some of that. Um, but the big kind of pull in the choices of your game is going to be you can also get cards as drops. And I think you can have, like, again, about a dozen or so cards in your, I guess, your hand at the bottom of the screen. And you can pause the game anytime you're not in combat. Well, you could pause the game basically anytime. But in combat, you can only swap out your equipment. And outside of combat, you could pause the game and you enter planning mode, which allows you to put cards into the void as locations. So you can change. You can't alter the direction of the path, but you can alter what tile each tile of the path is. They all start out as like wasteland, but maybe you replace it with a grove or you replace it with a crypt or something. And then you can also place tiles. So there's there's like three types of tiles. There's tiles that replace the path itself, tiles that can only be placed adjacent to the path, so just on the outside edge of the path, and then tiles that can be placed in the void. And so you get different cards, and, and there's different combinations of them that you can get, but everything that you do starts affecting the world. And as you start building the world... You basically build up a boss meter, and at the end of that boss meter, you a boss will spawn at your end tile. There's one tile that's like your campfire that's the start and end of every run. And then you place enough tiles, you have to fight the boss, and it's win or lose, and keep going from there. Right, yeah. And yeah, so the thing is, is that you don't have to get all the way to the boss, though. So really at any point in the run, and or if you die you retreat to camp. Um, if you if you die and you retreat, it's like 30% of the resources you've collected you keep. If you retreat anywhere outside of the campfire tile that, that Brett was explaining you spawn at and kind of end the run at, ideally, um, it's like 60% that you keep. And then if you end the run on the actual campfire tile, then you keep everything. So right. there's a little bit of like risk-reward management into mm -hmm. do you start the next loop right because um, there's also a day night cycle well not really night but a day cycle um where every time it starts a new day which it's just an independent timer basically that's running right. the whole time you're going around the loop the, the the start of a day 
spawns a lot of effects for lack of a better way to say that right. a lot so, of the different cards have some of some effects happen once per loop so whenever you hit the campfire tile they'll fire off a lot of game effects happen once per day or once every two days or once every four days or something but the start of a day will kick off a lot of them right right so there's like there's some tiles that actually or at least one that speeds up time on tiles that are adjacent to it so then if you had maybe a, a thing that spawns creatures every two days. Well, now if it's affected by this adjacent temporal beacon, I think it's called, now they'll spawn at a quicker rate because right. the, the day goes quicker on those tiles. Anyway, so the, the point just being that because of the way that that works, the loop might be kind of empty looking when you're at the campfire, but by the time you make it all the way through, multiple days will pass and so multiple mm -hmm. spawns will happen. So you're kind of calculating every time you get to the campfire, like, do I want to call the run now? Because I can take everything with me. Right. And if I continue, I can get more stuff. But if I die, now I'm going to lose a third to two thirds well, of what and, I've got. Yeah. And every time you cross the campfire, there's a loop counter for how many times you've run the loop. And every time you run, monsters will get stronger. You've also put a lot more tiles out. So more things have spawned. And the things that have spawned can be tougher and, and could be if you don't have good gear, you may want to retreat and go back to camp. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so then once you retreat, you do go back to, to camp. And at camp, <laughs> the game, this is <laughs> again a whole different game. Yeah. And that's why it's like when I first started playing it, I was like, I'm going to have to play this for a while to even try and explain it on the podcast right. because <laughs> because there's, there's so, a lot going on there is and then if you see it 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 looks you know it looks like, like there can't be that much to this right and there's right. not at first you only have a few options at first and there's mm -hmm. no, almost nothing at your base camp right so yeah so at the base camp um there's a a grid of tiles uh that, that have that has some pre-placed buildings like your campfire and that sort of stuff. And then you can add a variety of buildings. And this is what you need the resources that you're taking back from the, the loop run. You're using these resources to build um, these different base structures. So it could be like an herbalist den or a smithy in a forge or a farm. Um, there's a pretty big variety of buildings actually. And you kind of unlock those. Yeah, there's like a tech tree to it. Right. Where yeah, you, you don't have to do research per se, but you're when you there's prerequisites of right. you have to have built this before you can build the next thing kind of kind of deal. Um, but then those give their own passive bonuses that are pretty significant, like yeah. the cemetery, I think after you and then you can upgrade these buildings multiple mm -hmm. tiers. So I think it's the cemetery gives you like the ability to res after you've upgraded it once or twice. Uh, I haven't upgraded it yet. There's some buildings that I'm upgrading. I'm trying to I've. I'm starting to develop my own strategy where there's like things that I'm trying to run for mm. and buildings that I'm trying to unlock and upgrade and then upgrading what I can with leftover stuff, like trying not to take the resources I need to get the next building. So, right. Um, but yeah, and like the, the, the herbalist in, you get potions out of that. Oh yeah. Potions become huge where like, and again, it's a thing that I thought I would get to use them. No, it's just like when you unlock them, you start with like three. I think you start with a max of three potions and two in your inventory and you get like one per loop or something like that. And then if your character has three potions, they'll use their first one at like three quarters health. 
but it says like the fewer you have, the more you value them. So each, if you only have two, you'll use one at 50%. If you have one, you'll use it at like 33% or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you have six, it'll divide that out in six spots on your character's HP and you'll try Your character will just use it when they get that much HP down. Right, right. Yeah, I think I'm up to eight now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, so it's, it's interesting because it's just like my experience with other roguelikes, which this, I guess, technically is because each run is independent. And... It It is, but it's got more continuity between the external game and the run. There's more like meshing those two together, in my opinion, than a lot of other classic roguelikes. Yeah, I don't know. To me, I think Hades does a pretty good job of of that's of fair keeping the two of them like that, and I think this is 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 like that in, in that way. You're certainly right. Something like like Dead Cells, for example, doesn't really have a lot going on outside of the runs that you're doing. I mean, yeah, you unlock gear, but you're largely doing that through the runs, right? And there's not a, there's no base building or anything like that. Um, and I feel it's a lot better than something like a rogue legacy where, yeah, it is some, the base building you could say is kind of similar, but you're collecting more than one resource, I guess, which is what makes the base building a lot more interesting and makes you have options that modify your run. You can kind of control your run, which we'll get to in a little bit, but it, it, it adds some depth and a little bit more choice that matters between the runs instead of just starting at ground zero and trying to grind back up right right um but either way yeah so it's it's interesting because while it is you know this roguelike thing like brett's saying it does have a lot of persistence and you really can kind of i don't know tailor the runs but but what i was going to say before is that with similar to, to how I've, I found with Hades, actually, and a little bit with Dead Cells 2, actually, but really the most with Hades. Ooh, and Risk of Rain is another good example. In so much as that the the game gets easier the longer you right. play because it starts to unlock forgiveness mechanics that aren't there at the beginning. Right. Which is interesting because game design forever has been the game is easier at the beginning and gets harder the more you play. Right. Whereas these roguelikes are almost like it's at the very, it's the hardest when you start. I mean, even yeah. FTL I think is hardest when you start because yeah, it's you- really, it's really risky to go. I think I fought the boss on my second or third go at it and got re- I That was my first death was trying to fight the first boss. Mm. I was like, Oh, okay. But I understood how it worked and was able to plan against it and could do things better. So, right, right. But yeah, with the resurrections, the HP, you know, the um, the potions or whatever, there's just a lot of mechanics like that, that that make it easier. And you unlock more tiles that you can play, you know, like Brett described, you can play tiles that go on the track or adjacent to it and then away from it. And you unlock all of those um, right. as new options. So. And each of those has their own some of any tile that you place like on the track for the most of them, you get a certain resource when you walk over them. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a benefit to, you know, getting new resources that you didn't have access to before. And a lot of the tiles that go outside just in the void generally give your character stat boosts of some sort, like an overall flat increase to HP or attack speed or whatever. And even monsters give you 
for beating them, certain monsters give you certain resources or there's resources tied to the number of monsters on a tile. So you want something that's going to generate a lot of monsters on a tile to, to up your chance for that resource. And all of those cards that you're unlocking, you unlock most of them through building and upgrading your base. And then before you start a run, you have to select a minimum and maximum number of each of the different types of cards. And so you can tailor kind of your, it's kind of a deck builder, but not really, but you tailor what kinds of cards you can get. And there's not like, you don't say I need two of this card and four of this. It's just, can I get it or not? Mm -hmm. And so you can select, I want spiders and I want forests and I want meadows as my cards, but I don't want rocks and I don't want vampires. And so you take the, you don't turn those cards on and then you start up a run. And those are the only cards that you can get during your run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you go, as you go through the game again, it, I mean, I don't know if easier is the right word, but because you continue to unlock more and more cards, you just have more and more flexibility in how you build it. Like at first, let's say that I think the minimum cards you have to take total is like seven or something. Right. I, want to say. I don't know, something like that. Well, at the beginning, you don't have seven cards that are all positive benefits to you. Right. right. But eventually you get to a point where you could, if you wanted not have any monster spawning cards and just mm -hmm. have tile terrain cards. No, I think you have to have some monster cause it's cause there's like five different types of cards and there's a minimum of like, because it, it, it says like two, then X, then five. And X is how many you have equipped. So you have to have a minimum of like two monster spawning cards, but you don't have to play them. It's you true. And, and you're right. And honestly, like, like the Grove card for people who haven't played, this is far too nuanced now, but like the Grove card, I don't even think of as a monster card because it's so right. easy, but you're, it is a monster spawning card. Um, but either way, like when I was first playing, I was putting in some cards that spawn some more challenging monsters, frankly. Mm -hmm that later on it's like oh i'm not going to put those in unless i want a resource they right. drop or whatever um but yeah you, you know to your point it's not a deck builder in the traditional sense because like you said you're not choosing how many of a certain card they don't have a mana card there's nothing like that involved right. with it and it's not to do with your gear yeah right? like it's it's and a lot of them do the benefit map. you Right. <laughs> Even the somewhat beneficial cards have really severe drawbacks to them at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I unlocked one. I can't remember what it's called now, but it actually has no effect and just takes up a lot of room. <laughs> so I guess maybe it would be useful to like spawn the boss quicker. I'm sure. Yeah, it could tiles. Or it could give you an achievement or an unlock later. I haven't played with that one either yet. I was like, nah, I don't. I'm still I'm still trying to beat the second boss. So. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so to, to kind of speak to the beating the bosses, so there's at least three bosses. I have mm -hmm. not the third one, but I, <laughs> I'm on the third loop level or whatever that's right. called. It's also hard to understand how to describe a lot of the elements of this game because it's not comparable to anything else. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an idle game, but it's not like you can't, there are setups that you can achieve that allow it to play idly. But it's a really difficult setup to achieve that requires a lot of RNG and a lot of progress in the game. So it's not really an idle game. There's almost always something to make a choice about. Because if your hand is full and you earn new cards, 
old cards vaporize. Like you don't get to play them. They're just gone. So that's you don't get to make your character better. You don't get to play them into the field. They're just out. Right. So it's well, not really something you sit there and let go to like one E times 10 to the 500 or whatever. Yeah, you're not farming resources in that. Right. There, there's not a building that's generating a resource for you all of the time like there would be in an idle game. And yeah, I mean, it, yes, you could just unpause it and let the, the hero walk around the loop. But if you never equipped any gear, the slimes would actually just get harder mm-hmm. over time and kill you. And if you never placed any tiles, you're not generating any new resources from those tiles right. or creatures that drop. And if you or... die with 30% resources after killing 20 slimes, you're not taking a lot back to base. Right. So, yeah, uh, technically you could play it idly, but I mean, you could play Mario idly too. And then when the first Goomba kills you, it's game over. And <laughs> right. I guess idle, but. <laughs> right. But it, but it has some aspects of like, you're not direct. Like you said, you're not directly controlling the hero. Mm-hmm. You're, ju- you're controlling the world more than anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I can't think of another game where I'm building the world through cards like that. Like I, it was right. a very unique, unique thing. Um, and actually before I talk about bosses, one other thing I did want to mention that I thought was surprising and cool and, I haven't used the wiki at all, so anything that I've found feels like a little hidden gem thing that I right. you know stumbled into. Um, but like, for example, you know, the cards that you're playing out in the void away from the track still can have some interesting kind of quirks to them. Like, for example, the rock and the mountain cards, if you put nine of them in a in a box, like a three by three square, then it makes a mountain peak that then gets gives you different stats than the individual rocks would have. And it spawns a harpy creature that then flies over and lands on the track. So even mm-hmm. though it's not adjacent or on the track, it still creates a creature that does now impact the loop. Right. Itself. Well, and you're kind of incentivized to do it because rocks and mountains get bonuses from touching each other. Mm-hmm. So you like kind of want to place them in a clump. And then, yeah, the first time that happened, I was like, oh, holy crap. But- right cards can kind of evolve and there's a lot of other cards that that are placed on the track or next to the track that have that too Mm -hmm. where a lot of cards have a radius of effect that'll be like highlighted in blue and sometimes if those radiuses overlap all of the tiles between them can change if they're just basic tiles they'll change into another type of tile or if there's, you know, one type of tile may be beneficial and one may be not. And when you put them next to each other, one transforms the other into something that could be bad for two or three loops and then evolves into something good later if you can make it that far. So there's risk reward there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of little tile combinations. And some are even they kind of laugh at you. They poke fun of you that were that are like you thought that goblins wouldn't like this area but turns out goblins can learn to survive anywhere and it it just puts goblins into the background of combat to where they're only archers and there's just more monsters on the screen that you can't even kill now right (laughs) and it's like oh okay i thought it was cheeky and i was gonna get rid of this you know Mm -hmm. thing from affecting me and now it just made it worse (laughs) yeah i mean honestly the closest thing i can think to compare the tile because the thing is, is that because of what we're describing with the placement of the tiles having a lot of effect on mm-hmm. on the game, it like that's probably the bulk of my time in the game is right. where am I going to place these tiles? 
it's almost kind of like like the Diablo style inventory management sorting. Like right. Yeah. As as a gameplay can mechanic, I, can I fit can I fit a, a bow and arrow in here without losing this rare you know sword that I'm trying to bring back? Right. Well, like the meadow tile, anything that it's if it's adjacent to any other title, excuse me, tile, then it will bloom and then it doubles its effect. Well, so then I'm constantly trying to like, okay, if I lay a forest tile here then I want to make sure that the, you know, the four room, the cardinal mm -hmm. directions around it can be meadow, but then the, the diagonal directions, those could be rock or other four, you know, and I don't know. It's crazy how, <laughs> how much time is spent in that space, you know, trying, trying to figure out where to, well, and, and tile. like, just because you'd built your deck that way, doesn't mean you're going to get the cards you want either. And it's like, trying to save up because there's some cards that have to be surrounded by other cards to open up and unlock and give you a bunch of bonus stuff. And it's like, so I want to hold a bunch of cards that I can place anywhere in my hand to, in case I get one of those, but also I don't want to burn cards. So if I'm coming up against a tile that has four monsters on it and I'm at like eight cards, I might want to burn a few cards, but it's like, you're constantly thinking like, what can I get away with? Yeah, see, I, I think that's I love that because that's not how I do it at all. And, oh, really? And I, and I don't mean that it's no, no, no. Better. Yeah, it's just cool that it offers that you, you could approach it differently. But like for mm -hmm. me, I play everything as soon as I can because I want the benefits from it as early as possible. Right. And like the card that has to be surrounded, I just leave a blank space on the map to place mm -hmm. it so that I can surround it later. Right. Um, but see, I want to be able to open those as soon as I get them. Right. And like, I get I as much resource not being able to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's. And, well, and then there's like the, when the, so, so we're getting close to boss spawn. So it, you had something else to say before that. No, no, that was, I had, so we're good. So I was the, the, the other thing about that is in playing cards is there's a lot of cards you could play next to the track and if you play when the boss spawns, it spawns on your campfire, which is your start and end, like we said. But it also can surround that area with any unoccupied tiles in that area. You get surrounded with like temples and shrines to the boss, which up its boss abilities. Mm. And so to counter that, you can either destroy those tiles when they spawn with a tile destroyer card, or you can pre surround your campfire with as many tiles as you that's like I always try to like include a couple of tiles that I may not really want, but that I'll put be able to put around my campfire to like stack it with stuff that's not going to be that's not going to ruin my run when I get close to the end, but is also going to keep the boss tiles from spawning in there. Yeah, so the way I do that is um, I don't know if you've unlocked it yet, but there's a watchtower that you can build in your base. And what that does is make it so your campfire can attack initially one square yeah yeah yeah. it's like squares. one square on either side yeah so what i've started doing is at the end of the loop leading into the campfire i build the village and wheat farms mm -hmm. so that way going to the boss because the village heals you right yeah so that way i get i can get as much healing as possible before the the final boss spawn or whatever um and then yeah i always stack on the beginning of the loop i stack easy tiles because I want to take advantage of the fact that the campfire can right. help me fight. I don't. It's not necessary, but in my head, it's like, well, that's an efficiency that I definitely need to take advantage of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I actually, it was funny because in one run, I was using. There's some tiles that spawn worms that can fight 
on other sides of the tile. And in one run, I was like, oh, I've got the, the archers at my base, so I'll use them to fight those. Not thinking about the boss, and you don't get the archers versus the boss. And I just also had four worms just destroying me while I'm trying to fight the boss. You can't attack them. <laughs> so when I say that I eventually learned to not use cards that make hard things in the game, that's actually very specifically the card I'm referencing. <laughs> right. Stupid worms card. Because when you do actually land on the tile and then fight them, you don't always get to kill them. Sometimes mm -hmm. they burrow back underground. Yep. Oh, those worms are such a nightmare. I hate those more than any other. But you also get, well, game. it's good to use them with like the lantern posts, though, because you get one of like any resource when you cross over those. So it's a good tie. Like it's good for getting resources that are hard to come by because you can slowly stack them. But yeah, fighting the worms and it's, you just have to manage what's on either side of the track. But I've also found so like right now I'm trying to do runs against high numbers of monsters so, uh, and I'm trying to get a really rare resource. So having that tile in there is good, but I'm also specking my hero out to deal damage to everything. Mm. And so I'm specifically trying to counter mobs, which actually helps me kill worms faster because I can wipe whole fields of stuff really. So like I'm trying to balance how to fight that specific monster by including it. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, it's and I, I, obviously we've talked about the tile placement and everything quite a bit, but just it's just kind of it's kind of like in a um, in a survival game or a Terraria or a Factorio or, or any of the Minecraft, any of them where you come into the world and it's this this not blank. It is literally blank in Loop Hero, but this untouched world. And then after you've played for a while, it, the landscape is totally now shifted by the player mm -hmm. and in loop hero it's the same thing i mean you're not digging and and building in the same way that you do in those other games but yeah you start on this map and it's this black rectangle with a white kind of circle right. <laughs> in the middle. and then by the time you're done there's color and images all over the place mm -hmm. like all sorts of stuff outside the loop there's all sorts of stuff spawned on the loop like how different it looks is very striking and the player's responsible for all of that through their right. choice, you know? Anyway, we've now teased that we're going to talk about the boss two times. <laughs> so for the third time, by all means, please, uh, yeah, explain how the boss works. So, I mean, you'll actually have more. I could explain the first boss really well because I have <laughs> I have taken to grinding out the first boss a lot and, and some in the second path. But because of the resource that I'm farming, I always book it out before the second boss spawns. Mm. But yeah, a boss will spawn. We talked, they'll spawn a bunch of tiles around your campfire. They'll spawn the boss. And you know, when you get to the end of this loop, wherever, whenever it chooses, whenever you place that tile down, there's a little meter that builds up as you build the world. Whenever you place that last tile, the boss spawns in and you have until you get to that campfire to make your final preparations. And yeah, so you, whenever you get back to the campfire, uh, if you have auto pause enabled, you can actually retreat before fighting the boss. Otherwise, you just fight it automatically. And yeah, it's a big boss battle. And if you beat it, you can choose to continue playing on the loop that you've built and you get like an enhancement. Either time goes by faster or you get more resources or something, or you can take a bundle of resources for killing the boss and just get out of there. 
Um, now I haven't gone, I've only gone maybe one or two extra loops after killing the boss. I don't know about you. I normally book it as soon as I kill a boss. Yes. I've never, I've never done continued after the boss fight. Um, and I didn't actually realize that I was choosing one of those passive benefits or the resources. I thought that the resources, and I'm not arguing with you to be clear. I just didn't, hadn't looked at it closely enough. I'm sure. Yep. Um, but I've always chosen one of the passive benefits. Oh yeah. The, so when you choose the resources, it dumps all the resources, like gives you a splash screen and dumps all the resources in. Otherwise, if you choose a passive benefit, that's to keep running the loop. Mm. Well, no, the passive benefit is permanent. It's not for that loop. It's oh, really? Right. Yeah. Oh, see, like, now, I didn't sure know that. I'm pretty sure that's how I'm to eight potions because I've upgraded the herbalist den or whatever oh. herbalist den a couple of times. But then I've also had that as one of the choices for because I have the, the passive herbalist end to like, I think I upgraded it once and I like six potions. So but I didn't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's some stuff I haven't I've wikied some things because I do want to know most of what I've wikied is like we haven't gotten to character traits, but I've wikied those because I just want to I don't want to run the math myself. I don't want to go build an Excel spreadsheet and I figure if I can do it, it's find a wiki <laughs> mm -hmm. so that's most of what i've wikied i haven't done a whole lot with i but i have done like one or two loops past a boss but that's that's it right yeah um but yeah i mean basically that's it i mean the, the boss the, the second boss is no different it's a i mean it's obviously a different character or whatever right. a different boss um the the story is kind of unveiled through the boss fights to some extent right now again i'm only at two that i've beaten so it's i don't really know that that much more but the story of the world is very or the game is very bizarre it's it's like your character wakes up in the void and the only thing that and everything is gone and so the only thing that's persistent is the base camp where you you build things and there are npcs that kind of interact with you. I mean, you can't like walk around and talk to them or something. Right, but, but they give you some story. Basically, as you build and upgrade buildings, they'll give you story snippets. Right. And then as far as I know, beating the bosses is what unlocks the new classes. Is that correct? Or is it something else? Kind, so I don't know how many classes there are, but at least two of them are unlocked through base building. You have okay. to at least beat the first boss once. Okay. Because there's some stuff, I don't remember what, that unlocks by beating the first boss. Yeah, yeah. And then then you can build some of the tree, the, the tech tree items, build your buildings up. And two of the buildings that you can build give you two of the classes that are available. Mm, okay. So yeah, I've unlocked, so I have Warrior as the first class you start with. Then I mm. unlocked Rogue second. And then mm. I unlocked Necromancer third. And I haven't unlocked any more they all use different equipment slots or right. some of them share, but largely different equipment slots. Um, and there's two equipment slots that I haven't seen on any of those classes. So I'm assuming there's another class right. or maybe there's just something that enables you to use yet another that would unlock. Well, there's at least one card that unlocks an item slot. That yes. You can play into the field and there are some you can get like later on, you can get golden cards and you can only take one golden card with you in your deck. And yes. it's available at the start of the map. Yes. You can play it immediately. And one of them unlocks an item slot. It does. And I have that. And it still doesn't touch. Yeah, there's still like two, two items. Yeah, there's like still a couple of them that I haven't yeah. seen yet. So but um, 
but anyway yeah it's the boss the boss fights are, are honestly pretty challenging like it's just because you've beaten it once is not a guarantee that you'll beat it a second time right um i've i mean i've beaten all of the, the two bosses more than once but i've also died to them <laughs> multiple mm-hmm. times um which is disappointing because you're kind of it's kind of like everything on you know 31 red or something right like you just kind of have to let it ride and since you don't have any way to intervene in the combat Mm -hmm. you're kind of just at the the mercy and there's so there's some things that i've done a little bit of so like one of the things is in your inventory management like we said you can have like 12 items and you get them from killing monsters if you get a 13th item your 12th item or your oldest item will dissolve and become Mm -hmm. a resource and but there's depending on what boss you're fighting there's different ways to tackle the bosses where like like i was talking about my character that wants to deal damage to everything well the first boss is only a single thing so i don't get a lot of bonus by killing dealing damage to all but what i'll i may try to do is if i don't need the metal resource from salvaging gear i may on that last loop, I may be trying to hold certain items higher up in my inventory slots. So I may equip less like worse items just to keep a couple of good items that are going to be really good single target damage in my inventory while not ruining my loop so that right before I go into the boss, after I've killed all the big groups of mobs, I can swap out as much gear as possible into single target spec and then try to spec into boss killing mode. It's difficult to do, but like there's a couple times where it's paid off where like I was able to get a couple of really high damage items. It's like, yeah, I may not want this ring, but I'll equip it just to keep that high damage item in my inventory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) if anyone listening decides to go check this game out now, if you watch videos, I, who knows what your impression will be because who knows what you'll see, but if you buy it and just start playing, you, you will you will not believe that all of this <laughs> <laughs> is in there is there yeah it's not it's it does not seem like it's going to happen i mean honestly the first i probably did two or three four runs i don't know played mm-hmm. for an hour two hours i don't know how long it was and i was like my initial reaction frankly was like meh it's all right am i really gonna keep going and then i was like I feel like I have to talk about this on the pod though. And like I said, at the very beginning, I'm going to have to play for a while just to be able to wrap my head around it enough to explain it. And then, yeah, as you keep playing, you just continually unlock more and more things that shape how you can play to the Mm -hmm. point. Like you're talking about, like you can try and implement different strategies and how you gear each, each an individual run and what cards you take in to try and farm resources and, even what loop you run on because the first loop is easier than the right. third loop like enemies have are yeah have less abilities and that sort of stuff um so if you're just trying to farm resources the first loop might be a better place to do that than for certain resources though some of them you either can't get or are really rare drops and the mm. higher loop you run increases the drop chance and drop rate of resources so it again is it's all risk or reward Right. And and I think you've talked a lot about games that have interesting choices being what yeah. kind of hooks you. And I agree that in the first hour or so of gameplay, there's not there's a, there's enough there. But in that second or third hour is where you really start hitting that understanding of how your choices impact the game and realizing that you have far more interesting choices to make than you may have first thought. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I, to try and think of all the genres that go, so there's, there's definitely RPG. Mm-hmm. I, I guess we have to call it deck building. Yep. Right. Roguelite. Yeah. You have to, because the way the combat works, there is an element, like you said, of idle game to mm-hmm. it. it. It's not resource collecting idle game. Right. But combat is, is that, um, what else is there? I mean, it's I, a fantasy genre. So. Yeah. Again, the, the tile placement feels like <laughs> inventory management play style or something. kind of i mean the only other game that's come close as a game that I, I don't know that i've ever talked about this on the pod because that was a long time ago that i picked that up but i played fate tectonics um so it's almost a it's a puzzle-esque game mm. but it's in the tile management it's not like you're trying to do like a slider puzzle or anything but you're almost building your own puzzle you're trying to figure out how much you can min max with the limited space that you have because you the map does not zoom out the playing field is always the same size and depending on the shape of the loop you're limited in your options of overlapping tiles or doing certain combos you have a limited number of but you don't know if you're going to get those so you're constantly trying to it's it's almost a puzzle of will i get what i need or should i use what i have yeah, which kind of plays into the deck builder side mm-hmm. of it or TCG kind of thing, right? right. Um, I mean, it's not that, but <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a fascinating game that the I don't know I don't know what I feel about the aesthetic because on the one hand, I appreciate the aesthetic for what it is because it's like the meat and potatoes of this game is all of the decisions, right? It's not right. how it looks. On the other hand, like, eh, if it was slightly better looking, I don't know that I would. I don't have know a if problem. it was too much. So, like, and that's one thing that we should probably clarify is while your character is like a four pixel stick man on the loop in combat, you have a fully like, quote unquote, I guess, rendered a fully realized pixel character that is a a nice looking character that for the animation style um yes. battle animations are maybe three and five frames that play play out with you know a 0.25 millisecond pause or something between each frame but they're really decent art and when you see an npc show up on the screen they've got a portrait they talk they animate they blink like they do the things that you would expect out of something similar to like a dead cells or something when you see your character pop up on screen but when you're viewing the top down map it's super minimalized, not <laughs> right. quite to dwarf fortress level, but like a yeah. step away from it. It's not quite ASCII art. Yeah, right. Well, and even like your home, like your base that you're building up. I mean, it's not it's not as bad as the the loop map view or whatever. Right. And bad isn't the right word, but whatever. It, it's a little more detailed than that. Um, again, I, I don't wish that it looked like a a mobile game that's trying to extract my wallet from me. But um, so I, again, I appreciate the aesthetic of it to some extent. And you're right. The, the card, you know, the, the scenes that pop up when you fight and that sort of stuff aren't bad looking. The the monsters all look really good. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a throwback to like a Genesis or SNES era. mm -hmm. It's kind of what it looks like. Um, Oh yeah. It definitely leans on that. Like, Final Fantasy VI slash mm-hmm. like tactic style art animation. Right, right. But yeah, I don't know if it was if it was a little 
I don't I don't know. I don't More think it would want it rendered in 3D or like no. UV or anything, but No, no, no. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm not blown away, I guess, by the aesthetic is no, easy way to it's say it's good. But it's not, yeah, it's not mind-boggling. But again, I think if it were any brighter, it would look like a mobile game. It would be hard to distinguish it from some yeah i just i wonder if the aesthetic will hurt it at all but the answer is probably not because if you look at a game like a like a shovel knight Mm -hmm. that's pixel art that's wildly popular and it doesn't look like you know a modern it doesn't look as good as dead cells or something that is also pixel art um so i don't know it's probably fine the music i thought was was good i've played it enough at this point and the music gets samey enough for me that i've muted it and typically listen to something else while playing it but um but it's it's not abrasive at all. The music, no, no it's, it's just music. I've legitimately put twenty hours into it at this Same. point, so yep. I've just heard it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's only a few tracks. There's not different loops. Like the shape of the loop is different. But there's not like different biomes because you create the biome. It's just void right. and boss music. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm really interested to see. I mean, I I am not burned out feeling on it now. Now mm-hmm. for for me that doesn't mean anything. I may never have play it ever again for the rest of my life. Right. But in my mind, at least at this point, I can intend on continuing to play it and, and see if I can get through it. Yeah. I would like to see what goes. happens getting to the end ish. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they do a, a double meta in the same way that a, um, like a clicker game does where you prestige and go back to the real beginning where there's no base, but you get some permanent bonus. That would be a little, I wouldn't probably play through again. (laughs) Um, But I think it's got a lot of room to grow. Like, I feel like there's room for it to add more bosses and more cards and more, 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 more different loops and things like if it is just this, that's fine. I think it's a fully realized game for like 15 bucks. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is room if they want to add more. I could see it easily adopting more classes, more fighting styles, more cards and monsters, or expansion packs or DLC. I think could be an, a good way to go with it. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's definitely it's definitely worth a look. I mean, obviously, we've talked about it for nearly an hour at this point. And again, mm-hmm. if you look at it, you'll be like. Nah, didn't believe don't judge it by its looks. So much depth, (laughs) so much depth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agreed. And yeah, like I, I totally didn't expect there to be different classes. Like I didn't anticipate that at all. And the classes they operate. Yeah, they can play completely. Not only do they have different gear, and that gear has different stats that can spawn on it, but yeah, the play style of just how they go through the loop can be completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, anything else you wanted to touch on with Loop Hero here? I mean, I think that it's I think that it's challenging multiple genres simultaneously and and innovating in a way that make that breaks it out from the pack. It's not just a roguelite. It's not just a deck builder. And it's definitely not really even an idle game. It It has some some genes that are shared with an idle game but they're kind of recessive it's it is i find myself if it plays there's a couple of times i've played it in the background while doing something else but that other thing is like checking social media posts because i'm all tabbing back to it within seconds i'm not letting it run overnight to get a bunch of loot like right yeah and i i should have i you answered it already and i 
what I meant was, was there any area we hadn't talked about? But why does Loop Hero matter? Oh, I, yeah, have yeah. To, I have to agree with you. I think that it's, um, again, for such a simple looking game, it's surprisingly innovative in what it does because of what you just described. The combination of all these genres, not being able to really define it. Um, this, this, the developer, by the way, is Four Quarters. So shout out to, to there Four we go. Quarters. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's just a it's just a really unique take. And I mean, you know, we were we were referred to as boomer gamers by by someone at one point. And we've played games for a long time. I mean, we're in our 30s and we've played games since we were in our zeros. So <laughs> um, it's it's fair. And it just it's rare to find something that's that's this innovative. I mean, again, like, you know, Hades, for example, it's innovative, but it, it really is just doing like it's almost more of like an example of like a masterpiece execution of some pre-existing ideas. And, right. and it's unique and it brings new things. But I've just never played anything like Loop Hero, right? No, like there's agreed. nothing else I've played like it. Like so to find that still. <laughs> well, and it's like I, awesome. I've wiki like you said, you've not wikied anything. I've wikied enough. I haven't wikied everything. Like I haven't wikied things that I haven't unlocked yet and stuff. But there are some things that you run across when wikiing that's like, oh well, I know that's a thing now. Mm -hmm. But it hasn't ruined because you can know the tactics, but that doesn't mean you're going to get the things you need. So it doesn't matter if you've want, well, even you know how all the tiles work, you've still just got to work with what you've got. Right. And it's, I love it because I don't, a lot of the TCG, like card battler style games, many of them, although there are some more recent examples that are not, but many of them are competitive and I don't get down on that. And, I'll, and I think that even in the kind of roguelite genre, if nothing else, they built a really compelling story that makes it feel like you're not like Rogue Legacy has a story that like, oh, you're the great, 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 great grandchild of the first person that ran this or whatever. But it's like, that's not really compelling where this has a compelling enough story that it makes you feel like it's contiguous. Like it's mm -hmm. it's not just I'm going for another run it makes you feel like you are, are a static character and that the timeline is static and you are moving forward in a way that feels meaningful. And I think that if nothing else is a really interesting way to build a story into a roguelite that makes me feel invested. Yeah. I think that something you said towards the beginning of our conversation is true because when I, you know, Hades is my example of my favorite roguelike at this point. And it doesn't have nearly the, the the amount of resources, but I think the variety of resources to to farm, if you will, does add to that feeling of it's not just another run. Because mm -hmm. like in Rogue Legacy, it's just gold. Yep. So I don't know. It doesn't really. But but in in this or in Hades or something, it's like you're really striving to you can at least to focus on something. But that, but it's not just that one thing every time. Like you could focus right. on one thing for three runs and then change. Yeah, to I'm going to build. I'm going to build my deck out of forests and groves and maximize wood. And I'm going to something we didn't really touch on. But you can craft items in your base that yep. you then equip to like houses and stuff. You kind of got a base inventory, and those give you global stat boosts of like, you know, every time you get a wood, you have a chance of getting one more or whatever. 
And so you can go into your base and say, I'm going to take a bunch of axes and a bunch of things that give me bonuses to wood. And then I'm going to build my deck with groves and forests. And I'm going to focus on single target damage for my character. And I'm going to try to get a bunch of wood to build this next thing or upgrade this next thing. But there's like a dozen resources as well. And each one has special requirements, either types of creatures or types of combat that you have to get through. And so you it's all about what can I get away with? Like if I take away the forests, then I'm not going to have attack speed on my character, but I'll have a higher chance of spawning rocks in, in the cards right. that I get. Right. So if you add too many cards in your deck, then that means that each card has a lower frequency of appearing. So, you know, you may want to take cards out and run as lean as you can just to maximize the one that you're going to get. But that means that you miss out on getting to higher loop levels or bigger runs or maybe even beating the boss. Right. So it's the amount of choice that it puts allows you to have and doesn't force your hand. It doesn't say you can't do that. It doesn't say that's not a good idea. It just allows you to make that decision for yourself, I think, is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. The other, and you're right about the, the items. You also just get those same items that you can craft as drops from the mm -hmm. runs. And then you can actually uh, disassemble the right. items and get materials back. So I've actually been in a place where I needed some orbs and like I had everything except just a few of these one kind of orb. And I was able to find that I could get those from disenchanting, if you will, several nice. of the items that I already had. So then I didn't have to go do runs for it. Right. Um, but yeah, we, you're right. We didn't even touch on that. And one other thing I'll add regarding the story is that while the story does unfold through, you know, going back to base camp and talk to the NPCs and the bosses and stuff, there is also an encyclopedia that you eventually unlock if you build mm -hmm. the Intel Center. Yep. And that has entries for every creature, every everything, every land type, every tile that you can get, every yep, loot every type. resource. Right. And then <laughs> beyond that, Almost every one of those has between one and three additional entries you can unlock yep. for it. So my point in sharing that is just for people who are really into like the lore and the world building. There is actually quite a bit of that here. Like it's not right. it's not minimalist, really. It, it's actually pretty big given <laughs> again. And if you want to, you can do game. runs that give you a resource that unlock that additional intel. Mm -hmm. And so you could customize your deck to just get knowledge and right. do a run or two that just provides you with knowledge to get the lore. Like the fact that you customize how you want to play outside of out. I think it is, it's all outside of the hero. Mm -hmm. Like the, like you're equipping your inventory is the least interesting choice that you have. And it's still an interesting choice, but it's the kind of the least impactful. Is it just make sure that you can get through runs where everything else is how do you want the game to play and unfold? Yeah, yep, absolutely. All right, anything else that we've forgotten to talk about? <laughs> I think I think that we've covered it, but as would be Loop Heroes, you know, moniker, I don't know if I'm remembering what uh, what I haven't seen yet. So, <laughs> well, that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a cup of coffee at our Ko-fi page, which is ko-fi.com/puispod or just tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All of our links and social accounts are available in the show notes. And if you'd like to hear more from either of us outside of gaming, my podcast, The Walk Show, talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests. And Brett's podcast, Dungeons and Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought. Mm -hmm.